Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jesse. Matthew, thank you for uh, uh, sitting up, uh, uh, take, filling the spot for Jesse today, my friend. It is my pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfect. Yeah. And Matthew, this is a special topic we're going to be covering. Both you and I have a great devotion to St. Padre Pio. And we're going to be talking about a lot of his statements made by Padre Pio. And we're just going to uh, talk about why these statements are so powerful and how they can be applied to us. So that's number one. Uh, number two, I want to let everybody know, don't forget to pre-order for the Spiritual Warfare Conference live stream and recordings. You'll want an instant access to having these high-level education presented by Father Chad Ripperker, Liberal Christie, and Bishop Joseph Strickland. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter at vmpr.org for any up, any updates on the in-person attendance. But most likely, you'll be able to get all of the conference to your home, wherever you are, whatever country you're in. Just go to vmpr.org. Matthew, I wanted to also um, mention that the first segment today is sponsored to is brought to you by Tan Books. Go to VMPR and click on the Tan Books logo and shop for all your good Catholic books needs. When you shop Tan Books by clicking the logo on our website, vmpr.org, you buy a book, they give us a little commission back. Not a good not a bad idea because they appreciate what VMPR does for Tan Books. We interview a lot of their uh, authors and um, that's why we're uh, collaborating with them on this project. But I wanted to uh, just mention before we get to the, uh, the gospel, Matthew, uh, we call it the need to know file. I'm a little shocked in one sense, but I guess I shouldn't be shocked anymore because nothing should shock me today in the world, whether it's in the world or in the church. But nearly 10,000 people urged Cardinal Dolan to do an exorcism at St. Patrick's Cathedral after a sacrilegious trans funeral. Now, it was, it was reported on this funeral, and I saw the pictures of all the people there, and um, it's pretty scandalous. I mean, no question about it. You know, men falsely who believe that they're women, and um, it, was, um, it was a mockery. Let's just call it for what it is. So I happen to agree that that would be a good thing to do. Also, this is sad, but um, we're going to be discussing this with Father Charles Murr, uh, this topic about female deaconesses. Pope appoints female deacon advocate to the Senate as the October meetings are confirmed. And this is one of the topics. And unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, this is really a big deal in the Catholic Church because if the Holy Father allows, he can't do it, but let's say he wants this to be happening and he tries to say, okay, these people are going to be now deaconesses. They can't, but it's going to split the church. So we need to pray that the Pope sees that what he's doing here is not unifying the church, which is his part of his role, but it's tearing it apart. So let's pray for the Pope for that. Um, Matthew, do you have any uh, need to know files before we get to the gospel? You know, I, with the, something that struck me. Tell me. Uh, when you're talking about the uh, kerfuffle that happened in New York yeah. at St. Patrick's. Sure. It's uh, something Father Rutler said. You remember he was uh, yeah. uh, uh, the rector at uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral for years and years. Yes. And uh, back in the 1990s, there was a demonstration on Halloween, as I recall. I do. Uh, by uh, by LGBT type yep. activists, a bunch yep. of transvestites, men dressed as nuns mm -hmm. with a garish makeup and all the stuff that they do. And, uh, you know, causing a fuss and making a scene there. And, of course, they were outside protesting. And uh, the news came to cover it, of course. And uh, Father was out there and, and the, the news reporter asked him, Father, why do you suppose, you know, they're, they're protesting uh, for gay marriage. He said, the Catholic Church can't do anything about that. Why aren't they at City Hall? <laughs> and he said, uh, because the devil already owns City Hall. Yeah. And, and you know, and that's really the thing. Yeah, when, at the end of the day, it's, it's, we forget that the push to, to normalize this kind of sexual depravity mm -hmm. has been going up for decades. And even at the level of uh, national politics, you know, at least since the Carter administration. True. Okay. They're, they're, they, uh, the devil doesn't sleep. You know, they don't, they don't uh, uh, rest here. And, and the point is, that, uh, you know, the, 
people at the cathedral said, oh, no, you know, it was it was just confusion. They misrepresented themselves. You know, we didn't know that this person was an, an atheist and an activist for, right. you know, promoter of prostitution and, and yes. uh, transvestite and all that. Uh, we didn't know those things. OK, I take that, them at their word for that. But, um, you know, they say they were surprised. And, of course, the the uh, people representing the other side said the only real surprise is that the Catholic Church doesn't really welcome everyone the way they say they do. Right. <laughs> and my, my point is, though, it's been going on for decades. They know who their real enemy is. Yeah. And they will happily lie and commit sacrilege and blasphemy for, for decades in order to get their way. And by so doing, they, they tell us to whom they really belong. You got me fired up with that comment, Matthew. I'm like, really? Yeah, I can't let you get away with that without saying amen, first of all. Yes. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a connection because the show will go fast, but I have to make the connection to the devil that uh, all of these things, all of the, I'm going to say the um, murderers, uh, the mass murderer guys, they all have one thing in common. And even, even the transvestites or the homosexuals, all of them have an addiction to pornography. I, did the, I read the, the statistics. I showed that. Why can't we acknowledge that pornography is the devil's tool to get people engaged in horrible activities? Okay? Yeah. And, and, and the thing about it is, I, I'm just going to give a couple statistics because I want to do a whole show on this, but I'll just leave you on this. Uh, the businesses in America lose $16 billion a year of work ethics because, I should say, of the loss of time because employees are on the computer watching pornography rather than doing their work. That's what the study showed. Yeah. Now, one more thing, and then I'll get back to, in America, there we spend another $16 billion on sexually transmitted diseases. And Ooh. I guarantee, Matthew, all of those STDs, every single one, statistics show in this study that I'm going to be showing later, that pornography was the key that got these people into sexual deviation. So, right, yeah, it's that, that uh, kind of habitual yes. device. It's a vice. It's a, the it's only word vice. for it. And it seems to me that nobody in the America, and even we need to go to the source of all these stupid things, I say stupid, uh, uh, horrible things that people are doing, and acknowledge that pornography is the key to getting people to act crazy when it comes to their appetites. And if we could make it clear that we need to stop this, I guarantee you the crime rate will go down, the STD rate will go down, productivity in America will go up, and the Catholic Church has the answer. It's called chastity, okay? Yeah. So there you go. I, I won't go further because I have a lot more to say on that. But Matthew, <laughs> you got me fired up. That's what just came to my mind when you said that about the devil. Of course he's going to use pornography to corrupt people's morals. It works every time. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a final word on that. It, yeah. it is so much more widespread now than any time in oh, history. Yeah. yeah, it is. And Matthew, I want to give justice to the gospel, so we might go into the second uh, segment because I have three minutes before we break. But I want to just throw one more thing in that... Uh, you do a show every week now on Monday. Can you just mm -hmm. tell our listeners how they can listen to your show and what time it's on and what kind of content you're giving our listeners? All right. Well, it's No Nonsense Catholic, and it, it's live uh, on Mondays in between the Terry and Jesse show and Jesus 911, or mm -hmm. vice versa, between Jesus 911 right. and the Terry and Jesse show, chronologically. Um, and, you know, it, it's as the name implies, it's about Catholicism and with a, a minimum of nonsense. And really, this year, I have been focusing in these last couple of months, and I intend to continue focusing on the Holy Scriptures and the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Awesome. Because that, that combination, that's what Pope John Paul II said, that to study and meditate on Scripture and yep. the Catechism is how you are going to survive in the third millennium with your faith intact. I can just that's make one agree. judgment on that call. I totally endorse that approach because— one of the reasons we're in such problems in the world and in the church is because many of the people in the church either haven't read the Bible or I give them the benefit of the doubt they haven't read it or they just don't believe what the Bible says about morality or any of these situations about hell. As a matter of fact, Matthew, I know people can listen to your show on Mondays 
But I'm going to give them a little taste of the show. And I'll tell you how I'm going to do it. When we come back from the break, I'm going to ask you to read today's gospel. Now, this is being programmed for tomorrow on Tuesday. But Matthew chapter 25, it's not Matthew Arnold. It's the, (laughs) (laughs) I joke, it's the gospel of Matthew. And it's about um, the sheep and the goats. And I just think this is so appropriate for us today. Your example, what you just said about the Bible. What does the Bible say about salvation? What does the Bible say about purgatory or or about uh, the Blessed Mother? What is the Bible? What's a biblical worldview? You and I have talked about VMPR having a biblical worldview for our listeners so they have answers to their faith. And you said it a minute ago, Matthew. You're not going to be able to survive, as Pope John Paul II said it, without having a world biblical view. And I want to reiterate that, that if we can help you understand and believe your faith, and, and I'll, one more, I had one more thing that I encourage everybody, to ask Jesus Christ for more faith every single day. Without that, you can read the Bible, and it might not even affect you. You need to ask for faith and have strong faith and read the gospel with the confidence that it's the word of God, not man-made. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Matthew chapter 25 is we're going to come up with and read that gospel to you about the sheep and the goats. Stay with us. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold sitting in. And, you know, I always enjoy having Matt sit in whenever I have a opportunity to call him uh, when Jesse's on doing a mission or out of town. I always seem to have him on, and I appreciate that, Matt. Um, also, I just wanted to say that the gospel is for today, which is Monday, even though this is going to play tomorrow. Uh, just to reiterate, the reason I wanted to have you comment on the gospel of Matthew chapter 25 is because it's really about judgment. And I think during Lent, obviously, the church thinks it's important or wouldn't put it in the readings. And I'd like you, Matthew, to read the gospel because I think this is something fits into your show that you do no-nonsense Catholicism. So if you could be so kind to read the gospel and give us your commentary on that, that'd be grand. Absolutely. All right. Well, as you said, it's taken from Matthew 25. Verses 31 through 46. Yep. Jesus said to his disciples, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Mm -hmm. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me. In prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no no drink, a stranger and you gave me no welcome. Naked, and you gave me no clothing, ill and in prison, and you did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or ill or in prison and not minister to your needs? He will answer them, Amen, I say to you what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. As far as the words of the Holy Gospel. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Your thoughts? Well, of course, there's so much here. Uh, this, this Gospel passage is known as the, the judgment of the nations or uh, the final judgment. And you know, Jesus is describing how at what we call the general judgment, the last judgment, everyone, all people will be gathered before him. 
and he separates them into two groups. Those on his right, Mm -hmm. he commends for their acts of kindness and compassion. And he says that whatever they did for the least of his brothers, they did for him. And those on the left who didn't show such love and care, he expresses, uh, shall we say, his eternal disappointment. Right. And for Lent, though, I mean, I want to focus on on this, that it highlights the connection between love of God and love of neighbor. Because by serving those who are in need, we are serving Christ himself. And I, I said the catechism, I, you know, I was doing um, talking about Bible study on my program earlier today, mm-hmm. that the catechism explains that this concept, um, it's in paragraph 2447, it says the works of mercy are charitable actions by which we come to the aid of our neighbor in his spiritual and bodily necessities. Instructing, advising, consoling, comforting, or spiritual works of mercy as are forgiving and bearing wrongs patiently. And the corporal works of mercy consist especially in feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, clothing the naked, visiting the sick and imprisoned, and burying the dead. Okay? Just and the, the exact criterion that our Lord Jesus is laying out right. in this uh, biblical scenario about the Last Judgment. So that's why in Lent, mm-hmm. you know, we're called to... to uh, increase our prayer to increase you know to to practice fasting or increase our mortification and to also practice increased almsgiving you notice i say increase because those are things we should be doing all year anyway right right <clears throat> but but we really focus we we uh during this time of year as a way to to extend christ's love and mercy to those who are suffering and in need and and that's meant to teach us that our actions towards others really reflect our relationship with god amen you know, that's what demonstrates our willingness to follow his commandment, to love one another as I have loved you. That's why, you know, that that uh, that massive reparation wasn't an insult to, uh, the you know, the, the LGBT right. crowd that came in and, and committed a sacrilege in St. Patrick's. On the contrary, it was for their benefit. Right. Right. It was a spiritual work of mercy. Right. Of mass in reparation. So, you know, it's like I say, by treating others with kindness— and compassion and respect, respect for the fact that they can choose yes. to follow our Lord or not. Free will. You know, that's, we demonstrate our love for Christ himself. And, and, uh, and there you have it. Well said. I just want to add one other thought, Matt, and get your take on it. But at the end of that gospel, I'll re- refresh it. It says, then, he says, truly I say to you, as you did not, as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Matthew, that is so clear. We're talking about heaven and hell. And I just want to bring this up to our listeners. You hear people, high officials in the church, saying that, you know, I hope or, you know, hope, my hope is that nobody goes to hell. Well, I, I, I mean, I hope, uh, you know, I, I get to eat ice cream three times a day. I, I mean... <laughs> You know, I'm just, it doesn't happen. So here's my point. The Bible is very clear that free will, like you were talking about, you choose. I mean, God doesn't send you to hell. In one sense, you send yourself to hell. Yes, well, and then the Catechism of the Catholic Church puts it that way, that it is a self-exclusion. Yeah, right. You exclude yourself from eternal beatitude by choosing yes. to do God's will and cooperate with his grace. Amen. Amen. You know, and there it is. And I just wanted to bring that up because we're living in times where uh, universal salvation is being preached. And you're not going to get that here. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. I, I hope that everybody, you know, goes to heaven, too. I really do. I hope oh, I, I hope, hope so. hell is empty as a, as a you know, bowling alley on Sunday morning. But uh, I don't allow that hope to keep me from telling people the truth. There you go. You know, that, I think that's the, that's the important thing. And I think that's because that is amongst the works of mercy. Right. All right. Very good. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Let's see if we got him coming in on that train. Full Sheen ahead. I don't hear the train, but that's okay. Hey, there it comes. All right. Running late. It's a Monday. Matthew, this fits our conversation well. What Bishop Sheen says, only those who live by faith, really know what is happening in the world. The great masses without faith are unconscious of the destructive processes going on because they have lost the vision of the heights from which they have fallen. Hmm. I think it's a very astute approach to seeing our culture right now. In other words, people who have no faith, 
They can't figure out why they're not happy. Right. And they're depressed. Precisely. And frustrated. But, yeah. I um, Suicide. Yes. Uh, it, it is just astronomically uh, increased uh, from ages past. Uh, mm -hmm. What do they say? The number one cause of death in the United States for the second year in a row is abortion. Yep. That's correct. And depending upon your demographic, uh, suicide is number one. If you're a teenager or whatever, yep. I mean, maybe more of them die in car accidents, but it's but it's a really significant thing. And that's how can that be a problem in the richest and most prosperous country in the world? Unbelievable. And she put his finger on it because they don't have faith. Exactly. All right. We're going to shift gears to St. Padre Peel. Matthew, we're going to be talking about chats with Padre Peel. That's what I talk about. Some of the things he has said, but to set this, this, uh, the uh, record here, why do you have a devotion to St. Padre Pio? And tell us what you did for, for, I think, Lighthouse years ago on the life of Padre Pio. Right. Well, it was, a, it was a very special anniversary a few years ago for Padre Pio. And uh, the folks at Lighthouse actually approached me because they know of my, my penchant for research. Sure. They asked if I would do a presentation on the life of Padre Pio, his life and ministry. Sure. And so I did a copious amount of research, as is my uh, mm -hmm. my habit. And and I, you know, I was not really I wasn't indifferent towards Padre Pio. I, you know, I, I knew who he was and I appreciated uh, uh, his ministry. But I really uh, gained a, a much deeper appreciation studying his life and, and his uh, and his ministry. And, you know, reading the, the various accounts of the different people that had encountered him. And so I did a presentation for it. And uh, it was it was, you know, very well received. And even the, the National Center for Padre Pio invited me to come uh, and, and give a presentation uh, based on that. So, yeah, those, those are kind of my, my Padre Pio bona fides. But I know that you have a connection to Padre Pio that's more personal. Well, it is personal. I went to his, uh, his canonization with my four children, had a grand time there. And I think I've told this maybe four or five times over the years because it was in 2002. So I guess that's 22 years ago. Wow. I met a man at San Giovanni Rotundo Right after the canonization of Padre Pio, he was sitting at a park bench where I was because I was waiting for my wife to go to the bank and get more. Back then it was lira, not euro. <laughs> and so we ran out of money, so we had to get more. And while I was playing ball with the kids in the park, everybody was speaking a foreign language, mostly Italian, but there was one gentleman speaking in English, had a British accent. So I asked him, what brought you to San Giovanni Rotundo? And he said, you want to know? I said, well, I got plenty of time. I'm just going to take an hour for my wife to get to the bank. So sure, what, what's up? He says, well, when I was a younger man 30 years ago, I was a pagan. I didn't live Catholic faith. And I was on a train going back and forth to work for many years. And this particular day was in 1980. Now, Padre Pio died in 1968. So do the math. You know, years later, uh, he runs into a monk who looks like, you know, just like a Franciscan monk who challenges him on the train and says, young man, you need to go to confession. Well, <laughs> time out. I mean, picture yourself not living the faith and some priest telling you you need to go to confession. Mm -hmm. Most of us would say, go pound sand, Padre. I'm not <laughs> interested, right? That's what we probably would say as men. And that's what this guy said. Padre, a nice guy, but not interested. And the, the monk said, well, you have freedom to say yes or no to God, but you should really go to confession. And he walked off the train and went home. He went home, got in his chair like he did all the time, and got his little clicker for the different stations on the television. And by golly, what was on one of the stations? A 50 Years of Thorn. It was a movie on the life of Padre Pio. And that guy looked exactly like the monk he just met an hour ago on the train. Hmm. But obviously, he was like stunned. So he, he stays on watching that show for 50 minutes. And he's like, oh, my gosh. In the movie, it even says that he would go up to people away from the faith and say, you need to go to confession like me. So he's like, this is too personal. So bottom line, he doesn't go to work in the, the next morning. And he always would go to work. His wife says... Well, when we come back from the break, wait to hear what the wife says. You know what? Great advice from these women. Uh, we're talking about the life of Padre Pio and chats with Padre Pio. When I come back, I'll finish this story of how Padre Pio came back from the dead to get someone to go to confession. We'll be back with more 
on the Terry and Jesse Show. How's that for a teaser, folks? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. You know what I have to say, honest? I'm telling this story about the life of Padre Peel and my own personal story. Uh, it blows me away, the saints. And when I hear a story like I'm sharing, it still touches me 22 years later, Matthew. It really does. So here's the story for those who just came back. I was at San Giovanni Rotunda. Um, I'm uh, you know, there, and I meet a man from England who had been brought back to the faith. And the reason is, is he saw Padre Pio on a train. He didn't know it was Padre Pio. He goes uh, to home and watches this movie on the life of Padre Pio because he was flipping through the stations. And now he's so stunned. He's like, I can't do anything. And he, the wife says, why aren't you going to work? And, oh, I don't feel good. No, no, what's going on? So the, the wife gets the husband to tell him, tell her what went on yesterday on the train. And so the wife says, well, then let's go to the church and go to confession. Let's go. See, that's the advice of a good woman to their husband. <laughs> go to confession, husband. And so that's what he did. And he's told me that it was like a three-hour confession. And wow. he made a commitment that he would start Padre Pio prayer groups, promoting Padre Pio. When he found out about these prayer groups, he spent the rest of his life going up and down England telling people about the life of Padre Peel. And I met him, and so I'm an eyewitness to this particular guy. Now, did I get his email address? Did I get his name? No. I got four kids watching, four kids. I'm listening to this like, what? In the park at San Giovanni Rotunda, where Padre Peel spent most of his life in a monastery. So this leads up, Matthew, to we call chats with Padre Peel. Statements by Padre Peel. I'd like you to give me your take on some of these statements, and I'll hopefully give mine. Here's the first statement. Padre Peel said, The Lord gave me a great mission that is known only to him and to me. Matt, my take on that is he's given you a great mission. Me too. Everyone listening. But, you know, not everybody in the world needs to know, they should know what that mission is. Generally speaking, it's the universal call to holiness for all of us. That's right. I, you know, I remember years ago when I was doing the uh, program with Scott Hahn, and he was uh, last minute couldn't make it, and so I, you know, did a I'll take calls, you know, yeah, kind of thing. And and um, people called in, and people were saying, you know, how do I, you know, where does the rubber meet the road? What do I? How do I know what to do? Sure. How, how do I know God's will for my life? And yeah. I said, you know, it's not, it's not an inscrutable mystery. Yeah, you know, it's right there in in, in this catechism, in the Holy Scriptures. You, you know, it's in the Beatitudes, yeah. the Ten Commandments. You know. Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. Do that, and and you know count your day well spent. You know then if there's something beyond that, God will I think is more likely to reveal it to you when you're already doing as well. But that you know it's uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Yes, right as you're not familiar with. God says, "I know full well the plans I have for you." It's like I mean, <laughs> you don't know, but I do. Yeah, that's great. plans for your welfare, not for your misfortune. Plans that are. Uh, off you a future that's filled with hope. Yes. And this is and that's not just a pious platitude. That that future filled with hope. We're talking about eternal life here. Amen, Fat Matthew. And, that, well, and that's and I know that that's the plan that God has in mind for each one of us. Amen. God wills it. Matthew, here's another statement. He says, Many secrets of my life will only be revealed up there, meaning in heaven. Your thoughts? Well, of course, we were just talking about the general judgment. We were. Yes, <laughs> it's exactly. Like, that's one of those things where everything gets revealed. That's I, you know, my I, my former life being what it was. I know that on that day, I'm going to be rooting for, you know, come on, conversion. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it personal. <laughs> yeah, let's get to the part of the story where that I'm not going to be ashamed of myself in front of him. But, you know, I, although there was one saint who said that when you confess your sins, that God not only forgives, he forgets. Yes. Remember St. Margaret Mary? That's yeah. the one I'm thinking of where... Uh, went to the confessor and said, and said, no, uh, I don't remember those. I, 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 they're, they're gone. Wow, mm -hmm. what a beautiful thought. That that That's very consoling for me, Matthew. I don't know about you. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right, here's another statement. I am only sure of one thing, that my heart loves a lot, and it's made to love. Sounds like a St. Augustine comment. Mm-hmm. 
Or, or uh, what our Lord said about Mary of Magdalene. Oh, yes, yeah, she loved That's right. Many, many sins have. Yes. Because she loves much. And again, that, that ties into the gospel today. Yes, that it does. If you really love God, then, you know, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself are connected. And I also like to add what St. Thomas Aquinas says about love, willing the good of the other. That's the definition. Right. right. Yeah. We're not talking about uh, no, no. Uh, emotions or sentiment here. No, we're no. talking about an, an act of that love is an act of the will. Yes. This is a lot of fun. I just thought I'd let you know. I'm enjoying it. By the way, it's the only reason you can love your neighbor. You know, if, if Jesus said you got to right. like your neighbor, I'd have been yeah. sunk. <laughs> but hey, well love I can do. Yeah, great statement. Here's a statement. Here's a man who had 50 years of the stigmata, folks. He had the wounds of Christ. And he makes a statement like this. Okay, listen. I suffer when I don't suffer. Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. Yes. In other words, and this is my take, correct me on the air, Matt, but I think of it this way, that he sees his suffering as going on all the time. He's offering up everything to God. So you're making everything an act of adoration, uh, reparation. And I think he lived that life with the stigmata, trying to make, uh, I would say, reparation for the sacrileges that he saw going on even at his time. Absolutely. You know, and, and speaking of which, I mean, that's, that's the, 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 the best kept secret about reparation. Oh yeah. You know, when, when we're taught when we were kids that reparation is about, you know, making up for mm -hmm. your sins, you know, if you stole yeah. something, you need to replace it or, or right. whatever it is. Right. Um, but, you know, seek re to repair the harm that was caused by your own actions. But they did a massive reparation, like I mentioned, you know, earlier to, in the program yeah. for the sacrilege at the, at the cathedral. Why? Right. It's in uh, Catechism uh, chapter 1460 mm -hmm. that it's possible to make reparation for the sins of others. Yes. Through, through prayer and penance and acts of charity that while, you know, obviously we can't atone for somebody else's sins, mm -hmm. but we can offer our prayers and sacrifices to God asking for his mercy and grace to be poured out on them. Yes. That's what Padre Pio is talking about. Yes. That, by uniting his suffering and his acts of reparation with the sacrifice of Christ, he's participating in the work of redemption. Right. And and that's available to me and to you. We're talking about God's will for your life. Okay. Your, your prayers, your acts of reparation can have a positive effect on the conversion of the salvation of others. <laughs> and through our, our intercession, we, we cooperate with God's grace that way by bringing healing and reconciliation to a sinful world, to those who have sinned. Why don't you really tell me what you think, my brother? <laughs> You know, I'm enjoying this, and I know our listeners are. Yeah, I can't let you go without quoting Colossians chapter 1, where it talks about, I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the good of the church. So every action becomes like a blank check. That's what Padre Pio is telling us, that if we give it to Jesus, it's got infinite value. Now, now Matthew, we could go on for hours talking about Padre Pio's statements, but here's one that I want to get your take on. He says, Suffering is my daily bread. It's my delight. How do you hmm. read that? Again, like you say, that, that he rejoices in being yes. able to make reparation for others. Yes. By, by, by taking on that suffering. And of course, how more closely can you be united with Christ than to join your sufferings with his? Well, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that he suffered for you and that, that you would do the same for, for souls because he, he died. God gave his only begotten son so that you know, we could go to heaven and, and enjoy eternal life and, and to participate in that. What, you know, how, how much closer can you get to Jesus? How much uh, joy can you give him, you know, beyond, beyond actually participating in that work? There's several other comments about suffering that he's an expert on Padre Pio, obviously St. Padre Pio, but I'm going to shift just because due to time to another comment. He says, I work to give my children the heritage. What's he talking about, Matt? Okay, well, first off, he's spiritual children, right? Absolutely. He's a, the father, he's but, a spiritual father. That's right. But he is talking about doing for his spiritual children what I have tried to do for my physical children. He yep. says, the heritage, what's that? It's the faith. Exactly. The it's it's faith. the teaching of the church. Yep. You know, the Blessed Virgin Mary, by the way, for those of you listening in the United States, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared in the 19th century in Champion, Wisconsin. Yep. To say specifically, teach the children their catechism. Right. You know, and if children weren't being taught their catechism sufficiently in the 19th century, I can guarantee you right now that the problem's worse than it was. Absolutely. You know, 
that is a message that we need to listen to. And that's what Padre Pio is talking about when he talks about the heritage. Well said. And I think he follows up with another statement. Padre Pio told some spiritual children gathered after confession, I can forget myself, but not my children. I tell you that when the Lord will call me, I will stay at the door of paradise. I will tell him, Lord, I do not enter before I see all my children have entered. That's a true father. Am I, I mean, that's a, it's not just beautifully stated. Oh, it is beautifully stated. I, I also like that, you know, Padre P also, he's not, um, you know, at all overstating the case here. You know, he's right. saying that he, that that is his feeling that his his love for them is such that he doesn't want to uh, <laughs> even go to heaven until he knows that they're uh, you know have crossed that threshold before him. And he also, I mean, he said that at one point where he added that uh, I don't know if the Lord has accepted this, but that's my feeling. Exactly. I, he's not telling God what to do. <laughs> you but, but you know, just, you know, Matthew, expressing his love. You are a father like I am, mm-hmm. and your love for your children. I know you well enough after decades of knowing you, that you would lay your life down for your children. Tell me I'm wrong on that. I, I don't think so. Well, of course, and I know the same about you. Of course, but that's what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. It's nothing more. It's not a big deal. Really, it isn't. And the reason is, is because we have a mandate as a father to feed our children the faith, to protect our children from, from the evils of the world, all these things. This is just... The, the, the description of what a father does, and think about our heavenly father. Oh right. Gosh. You know, Terry, I, you know, we've reached a point in life. Yep. I've reached a point in life where if I'd never had any kids, I could afford all the stuff that I wanted when I was a kid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> but, but, but it doesn't mean anything to me right. anymore. Once you have those children, they become uh, the priority. Yes. You know, because that's, that's, the, that's only the, not only the natural thing, but the supernatural thing. It's, it's, it's in our DNA. Amen, brother. I'm having too much fun talking about Padre Peel, and I hope you are too listening. I hear the music, so when we come back, we'll talk uh, more with a chat with St. Padre Peel and how it applies to your life, my life, Matthew's life, all of our lives. Stay with us, family. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jess Romero. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Matt Arnold sitting in for Jess Romero today. We're talking about a chat with St. Padre Peel and some of these one-liners that he says. They're beautiful. They remind me of what Fulton Sheen does with the through the year with Fulton Sheen. This one, I, I'm going to be going to lunch uh, after this show. So this statement should really temper my lunch. Okay, here's what he says, Matt. How do we sanctify the action of eating? He says, eat with temperance only to preserve life. Now, now Matt, the world says something different. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing at me. Yeah, I know what you mean, Terry. In other words, Padre Peel is saying that the purpose of eating isn't so that we can glut ourselves with food and eat as much and then you know you see this in history where they would vomit the food to eat more food and i mean (laughs) talk about being sick about it but you know we're not that far from that because it seems to me that food is such a big deal in our culture that um you know i'm I'm just saying this the statistically uh the obesity rate has gone way up at the same time the morality rate went way up is there a connection yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I can speak to this. Okay. I've been, I was uh, overweight. I'm still overweight. I've been overweight uh, uh, now longer than I wasn't. Okay. Right. I was, I was a thin young guy, but you know, and I, and I was in the entertainment business and I yeah. kept, uh, kept fit, kept working. Then yeah. I, I converted to Catholicism and I started working behind a desk all the time. Yeah. And, you know, spending my days writing and, and sure. whatnot and, 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 and frankly working some pretty long hours and then, you know, helping uh, Betty with the kids and homeschooling and all of that. And uh, as a result, you know, every time my wife would get pregnant, 
uh, she would put on the weight and I would put on weight and sympathy with her. Of course. And the, child, the child would be born and she would lose weight, but I wouldn't. And then the next <laughs> would come along and I'd gain more. And, and, you know, until one day you wake up and you're 300 pounds and I go, oh my gosh, Catholicism made me fat. Yeah. And you go, wait a second, Catholicism didn't make me fat. You know, what's going on here? Right. And, and I was on the diet roller coaster for many, many years, you know, 20 years. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I would lose sometimes significant amounts of weight, yeah. not just 10, 15 pounds, maybe 40, 60 pounds wow. and then put it all back on. And then some, Yeah. Right? because you know, it's like, uh, my, my aunt was a, a Pentecostal, uh, Christian and she, she, I know my parents didn't like her to talk about it, but when she hit me alone, she'd say, Matthew is Jesus, the Lord of your life, you know, and that was the whole thing. It's like, and, and, you know, Jesus does need to be the Lord of your life. Amen. And I, but I realized at some point that when I sat down at the table, Jesus wasn't the Lord. Uh, the food was the Lord. Yeah, well said. You know? And and then and then you wind up not only obese but uh, but um, diabetic. Yeah. Or borderline diabetic. And so, you know, I, I I asked myself, what am I guilty of gluttony? You know, I mean, it's like I'm not walking around with a turkey leg like Henry the Eighth. You know, but, right. but am I a glutton? Mm -hmm. And I, I was, you know, obviously. If I've gained all that weight, then I have been intemperate yeah. in, my, in my eating and my drinking. And and the diet industry, and diets don't work, obviously, because, you know, if if, if they did, everybody would be thin. It wouldn't be a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, okay. well said. You know, what works, though, and then they say, oh, it's not you. It's it's a, it's a not a moral problem. But but it is a moral issue. And when I came to terms with that, I, I, I opened up an old book and I said, you know, what is gluttony? And that's exactly the definition they gave. Wow. Eat more than is necessary wow. to sustain you is gluttony. Wow. You know, and I'm like, wow, that, that hit home. So now I've lost uh, about 65 pounds. Oh, God love you. <laughs> you know, because it's because the, the penny dropped for me. Yeah, that's it's, inspirational. What, what, yeah. You, what you just shared, I'll say it right on the air, because I'm a little guy. I don't, I, I, you know, it. You know, it's something you don't struggle with. Yeah. I, yeah, it's not because I think it's because my um, metabolism is run so high. I think I burn up whatever goes in. But what you just said, I think, relates to the majority of people. So thank you for sharing that um, about temperance. Now, here's one about the guardian angel, Matt, that St. Padre Pio said. The guardian angel never leaves us. He guides us. He gives us good inspirations and protect us from the enemies. Who are the enemies? Oh, well, yeah, that would be the... the, the the uh, spirits of wickedness in the high places, exactly. as Paul would put it. Yes. Um, you know, and Terry, I, I think you're the one to comment. Well, on Well, I will comment because I am. <laughs> the angels, that's your spirituality. Yeah, that is my spirituality. I'm consecrated to all the angels. You know, my line is, and you know it, the unemployment rate for guardian angels is way too high. Put them to work. And the yes, reason it. is that many people don't realize they have a guardian angel. And Matthew, I will just say this, and I bet you could confirm this in your own life. There have been times where you were in danger, maybe physical danger, moral danger, and you didn't get seriously hurt or even die. And mm -hmm. I've got to say, for my own life, I attribute many times getting out of a tough situation that it was my guardian angel who protected me from that moral dilemma or a physical dilemma. How about you? Um, I would say, I'll put it this way, that you know there there are different kinds of grace we have obviously sacramental grace that you receive from the sacraments you know if, if you fall have the misfortune of falling into mortal sin sure. you go to confession you get the sacramental grace you get returned to the state of grace right there is such a thing as actual grace and actual grace can be extended to you even when you're in a state of mortal sin it's actual grace that that moves you to go to confession it's it's actual grace that when you are in a state of grace that helps you to become holier to increase in, in sanctity. Wow. wow. To, to, do, to do what it takes. Yes. And, and I believe that guardian angels are very much a conduit of that actual grace, that God sends uh, actual grace into your life through the intercession of the guardian angels. Wow. I, I got so many more quotes here. I said I think I had 40. I think there's probably 80 or 100 here. Um, I, like, I want to bring something about our Blessed Mother. Padre Pil said, Did you call the Madonna? I did. But it didn't want to leave. Afterwards, it ran away. Now, I'm not quite sure. Did you call the Madonna? I did. But it didn't want to leave. So is that saying Our Lady doesn't leave your side? 
I'm not quite sure what that means. Hmm. You, yeah, that's, that's a little enigmatic. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Now, here's another one. Who are the children of perdition? The most famous of those who quibble. What? I mean, mm-hmm. I, you, you know what I notice about Padre Pio and all the saints, Matthew? They call us to this high degree of perfection, that we are called to be saints. And I, right. and, I, and I think that what I've noticed, and take correct me right on the air, but I've noticed that the saints, whether it's Padre Pio or St. Maximilian Colby, it could be any of the saints, but they all never, they would always shoot high. In other words, perfection. Now they know that nothing that's perfect and pure goes to heaven. It's like God, the, math, the the Book of Revelation says that. But they were looking for sanctity. They were striving to live a saintly life. And if there's anything that bothers me more in the church right now, is that we have prelates, we have high officials, who are trying to lower the bar for sanctity. And that, to me, offends me personally. And I think it should offend you. But I think. We have to not look at maybe some of the local people in our church, but look to the saints who have done it. In other words, they've gotten to heaven. So I think we just have to pray for those people, that's my take, who try to say, well, that's, you know, that's a, that, that's the ideal, Matt. You've heard this, to live a monogamous right, yeah, marriage. Yeah, yeah. Come on, that's, but, but let's be honest. Fornication, adultery, you know, it happens, and we just got to, you know, got to understand, so don't worry about it. That's not the attitude of the saints. No. I, well, you remember what our Lord said in, I think it's Luke 17, mm-hmm. when he, he asked the apostles, he said, if, if you know, uh, if you came in, would you expect your, your servant to, you know, uh, sit down and eat or whatever, or would you expect him to, to do it for you first? Mm-hmm. Take care of your needs, right? Take care of the master. Right. And, you know, what he said is that when you have done everything. Right. Uh, to count yourself an unprofitable servant. Amen. Because you've only done what you were obliged to do. Right. And that's St. Padre Pio. He's calling people to the honors program. It's, it's Yeah, it's one thing. It's, that's fine. Avoiding sin, that's good. By all means, avoid sin. Having having uh, imperfect contrition, that's good. Yep. But that's not the goal. That's not what you're shooting for. Wow. I'm going to uh, bring something up on the Mass, that because, you know, when I went and watched his Masses on the video, uh, he looked like he was suffering. Sometimes the masses would take two and a half hours uh, because he was so meditative when he would say mass. He said this. He said, the benefits of the mass cannot be enumerated. We will see it in paradise. So in other words, Matt, and I want to give a plug to something I had you produce for St. Joseph Communications, and it's on the internet. It's, I think it's on YouTube, uh, the true meaning of the mass. And mm-hmm. I want to ask you, his comment, he said that the benefits of the Mass cannot be enumerated, but we're only going to see the benefits of the Mass when we get to heaven. That, doesn't that tell us that the Mass is the greatest act of worship on this planet? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I try with the eyes of faith, you know, using the, the imagination that God gave me to, to remember yeah. that when I go to, to Holy Mass, that we are surrounded by, as our Lord says, a cloud of witnesses, that there are, that there are the angels and the saints are right there with us. Yes. You know, uh, uh, celebrating the Mass uh, 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 with the priest and, and assisting at the Mass along with the faithful. Yes. But that's not something, but, you know, that's only something that's gonna, we're really going to be, it's going to be fully revealed to us oh, yeah. on the other side of, of eternity. You know, we, we, we can't really appreciate that. And like you said, the, the, the benefits of the Mass can't be enumerated. That means that they are there without number. Yes. Right? The, the benefits of, of a single Mass are, are infinite because it is the sacrifice of Christ. It's the sacrifice of Calvary actually made present. Yes. Right? And, many, and, and you're there. That's right. And many of the saints have said that will be our greatest consolation at our judgment. The Masses that we heard worthily. I thought mm. about that. I don't know what saint said that. It was in a little booklet from Tan that I read when I was a child. I read <laughs> that, and it touched me. So if, if we under so and you know one of the things we just have a minute here. I want to encourage everyone. Uh, this is Lent. Try to get to extra masses during the Lenten season. 
And remember that it's the greatest act of worship we can do. Matthew, I hear the music. I always ask Jesse this question. <laughs> what state should we be living in, brother? That would be the state of grace, Terry. You always get it right. <laughs> That's right. And I want to just mention, we talked about reparation. Remember Our Lady of Fatima? Check out that message because one of the things she said was that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. So can we pray for the world, for the church? Absolutely. Can we affect someone's benefit of coming and saying yes to Jesus? Yeah, we give them the graces because we were praying. A mother, a father. Look what St. Augustine did. He prayed. He St. Augustine's mother, St. Monica, prayed, some say, 20 or 30 years for her son to return. Look at the effects of a St. Augustine. Let's keep praying. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God love you. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.